just happens that a neighbor who lives a couple of doors down the street from me has been a longtime member of their board of directors. And she has served there several years. And she's here to tell us a little bit about uh, Shiloh Center, but more importantly, to share a personal story uh, of her own about the sanctity of life. Her name is uh, Teresa Wilcox. Teresa, if you would come up. Can we welcome her? Thank you. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thanks for inviting me, John. Um, I'm not a public speaker. This is only the second time I've done this, so my hands are sweaty already. <laughs> um, I've had the opportunity to share my story in front of an audience, um, but I'm still nervous. And, but I know that God is going to get me through it, as he always does. So a few years ago, I was asked to apply for a board member position of the Life Choice Center. Um, now it's called the Shiloh Center. It's a pregnancy resource center, and I was elected. Um, here's the reason why I have a passion for life and why I wanted to be a part of a faith-based resource center for women and for men um, who are faced with the decision of having an abortion or choosing life. So to start off, I grew up in a very poor, neglectful, and abusive family. Um, I had four brothers, but one of them was left behind at the hospital by our parents um, because he had special needs, and I, I'm assuming they just didn't feel like they could handle those needs. Um, so our grandparents stepped in and picked him up from the hospital and raised him as their own. I wasn't close to my grandparents. They lived... Um, in a little town outside of St. Louis. I happened to be born in St. Louis as well, um, but only lived there a few years and then came to the Kansas City area. Um, life was pretty rough for me and my three other brothers. We weren't fed properly or cared for um, properly, and we weren't taught, we were actually taught how to um, steal food from the grocery store at a very young age. We rarely went to school, and in fact, we were out on the streets, streets much of um, the day. Our father was an alcoholic and a, um, an abusive father when he was around, but he would often disappear for months at a time. I'm not sure why. Um, maybe he was in jail. Maybe he was in recovery. Um, I just know he was gone a lot. Our mom tried to do the best to care for us. Um, she dropped out of school at a very young age to help take care of her ailing mother, and she didn't even know how to drive. So when I say we were on the streets, we were on the streets a lot. Um, when I was nine years old, my three brothers and I were taken from our home and from our parents and were placed into separate foster homes. This was so devastating. Um, you know, I knew my, my family life wasn't good, but I... Um, you know, you still want to be with your mom and dad, no matter how bad it is. And especially my brothers. My brothers, my older brothers, um, really took care of us most of the time, even though they weren't really equipped to, but they were the ones that um, I missed the most. Um, I saw my brothers only occasionally, as well as our grandparents, but rarely saw our parents. Um, 
As I learned later in life, God was always watching over me, though, even when I knew nothing of him. As a matter of fact, the first foster family I was with was a good Christian family. We went to church all the time, um, several times a week, a good old Southern Baptist church, as you might guess. Um, I learned about God very quickly. I learned Bible verses and stories, um, sang in the choir with my new friends, and even went to church camp in the summers. Um, I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior at the age of 10, and I was baptized in a country pond. Um, I remember that day vividly. I remember thinking that I may not have a biological mom or dad, but I sure did have a father in heaven. Um, he would never leave me or forsake me and would watch over me all of the days of my life. I was in that foster home for about five years, and then just due to certain circumstances too, too long to go into, um, I would end up going to a few more foster homes until I was 17. These other homes were Christian homes too, so see, God was always watching over me. Um, even though I had God in my life now, I still struggled with the feeling that no one really cared about me, especially through my teenage years. So when I met a cute cowboy at the age of 14, I thought, now someone really cares about me. He became my boyfriend, and though I didn't get to spend a lot of time with him at first because of, I was 14, um, I thought all of my issues of not feeling loved were finally over, and I would know true love. While that love was centered around doing things that I shouldn't have done at such a young age, um, and things that you shouldn't do before marriage. But I honestly didn't care, even if I ended up pregnant. I had really turned my, life, my back on God through those teenage years, and I did end up getting pregnant at the age of 17. I wanted nothing more than to keep my baby and to get married. Um, some of my boyfriend's family, however, thought I should get an abortion. That would solve the problem. After all, I wanted to go to college. I was smart and had a lot going for my future. This would be a way to take care of the problem. But when I said I didn't want an abortion, the foster family I was with at the time contacted the Division of Family Services, and somehow the discussion started about me going to a girl's home in St. Louis. Um, I was just horrified. I was scared beyond measure. Once again, I would be tossed aside. No support from anyone except the father of the baby. So with some help from a dear woman, I was able to go in front of a judge in Warrensburg to be released as a ward of the state and I could get married. If I had been under the age of 17, I'm sure I would have um, went to that girl's home or even worse, maybe forced to have an abortion. So in January of 1985, um, we were married, and in July, we had a very precious little boy. What a joy. I was so in love with this gift, tiny gift from God. I knew that God had forgiven me, and I was ready to try to um, live how God wanted me to live. We even had a second child when I was 26, another precious son. I was a very happy mom to these two kids, um, that God had blessed me with. However, my marriage was a mess. So, you know, the story goes on with my background and now married at a young age. 
Um, that husband was abuse, ended up being abusive, an alcoholic, a drug addict, and unfaithful to me. I felt like I should stay in the marriage because after all, those were my mistakes and now I just have to deal with it. I took my kids to church with me all the time and tried my best to protect them and care for them. And you know, that's hard um, being a mom and having to go to church without your husband. <laughs> that was the hardest thing I ever did, but I was bound and determined to do it. When my oldest son was a sophomore in high school, we decided he decided that he wanted to devote um, his life to church and following Christ. A couple years when Matt was eight, a couple years after that, when Matt was 18, um, and Sam, my youngest, was 10, I decided to divorce their father. A couple more years after that, the son I had had at age 17 decided to go to Calvary Bible College and onto seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. That baby boy born to a teenage mother is Matthew Peary the pastor of Spring Creek Baptist Church in Rolla, Missouri. Amen. I know God had this plan for me and my children way before I ever knew it. Praise God. Matt was married to a great girl before he went on to seminary, and now they have three kiddos of their own, my sweet grandkids. My other son, Sam, is a protector, and he has served in the Army National Guard um, for six years. He is still trying to figure out his future, but I'm very proud of him too. One of my favorite passages from Psalm 139 says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in that secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days were ordained for me, were written in your book before one of them came to be. This goes for me, both of my sons, and each one of you. My constant prayer and hope is to um, reach abortion-minded families and women and let them know that they were created and their babies were created before they were even thought of. Their lives are planned out and written in his book before one of them came to be. God will never leave them or forsake them. They can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. I wish for them to know that God gives us all do-overs. I don't know if you're familiar with Dan Erickson from Lee Summit Community Church. He passed away a couple years ago, but he actually wrote a, a book on how God gives us do-overs. And I, I've, he said that all the time, and I'll never forget that. Um, he forgives us. Um, in the good times and the bad times. He, it can be overwhelming for the young ladies and young men, um, and they think that they don't have any other options, but God will get them through it, and one day they will look back and thank God for his grace, his love, and the precious gift of life. Thank you all for your prayers for life, and thank you for having me here today. God bless you all. Thank you very much, Teresa. You know, before I begin, I think I'd like to remind us all that Romans 1 tells us that there's no condemnation 
for those who are in Jesus Christ. I remember what Jesus said when the woman was caught in adultery. He said to the crowd, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And they all walked away, all of the accusers. And Jesus said, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Ephesians 1, uh, do we have that slide? I can read it here. Ephesians 1, uh, 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Anyone, man or woman, who has been involved in making the decision of an abortion must know that God's endless grace covers all believers. We are not here to condemn anyone today, but to, to face a, a problem that is, that is epidemic in our country. On September the 11th, 2001, at the World Trade Center, over 3,500 people were killed, and others have died since from, from illnesses. There were doctors and scientists and leaders and people from all walks of life who died that day. And no one questioned the sanctity of their lives, those men and women. And there was a, an outcry throughout the country. In fact, it was worldwide. But you know, the very next day, nearly the same number, 3,500 of unborn potential doctors and scientists and leaders were aborted and there was no public outcry and that tragedy has continued every day until the present time. The average number of abortions in this country is approximately 3,500 per day. This has been going on since 1973, some 43 years. When I do the math, that's over 58 million babies that have been aborted in the United States. What does God's word say about the sanctity of life? According to the Bible commentaries, there are 64 verses that deal with that subject. Does God sanctify life in the mother's womb or is it at birth? I'd like to look at just five verses, one of which um, Teresa's already talked about. Uh, Jeremiah 1 5. Jeremiah 1 5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. If he knew us before we were formed in our womb, did he not sanctify that? Did he not make that a holy 
event. Then uh, Psalm 139, Teresa just read, so I won't, I won't read that one again. Psalm 127, verse 3. One twenty-seven three says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. If they're a reward because of the fruit of the womb, is that not sanctified at conception? Look at Job 31.15. Job says, did not he who made me in the womb make him, and did not one fashion us in the womb? We were formed in the womb by the Lord, and that is sanctification. And the last one is Isaiah 45, 24. Which reads, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb. I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the, ham the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. You know, it never occurred to me that our Lord Jesus Christ was once a fetus. He had a heartbeat at 21 days. He was fully formed in two months. And then he was born. We all, men, all know that story. He then went from being an infant to a toddler, to a child, to a teenager, then to a man. A man who became the savior of all mankind. But he too started at a, as a fetus. There are other references that you can find in the Bible on this question, and that God, uh, that we are made in the image of God, and that He sanctified life at conception and made it holy. And that is why we remember the sanctity of life Sunday uh, today.